Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the Voices of the Vic podcast with Ben Ayton and Mike Duffy. This episode contains some strong language. Hello and welcome to the Voices of the Vic podcast with me, Mike Duffy, and as always, Ben Ayton. Ben, it's 7.04 on Tuesday morning, the day after the QPR game. Um, result aside, how are you feeling and how's your week started? Tired and freezing cold, mate. Um, with these yeah. early podcasts, I'm recording them in my car because I don't want to wake up um, the missus or the baby. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I'm sat in my car at the moment, turned up the heat in, and I'm absolutely freezing. Um, it's not ideal to be recording at seven in the morning, but there's no. a demand for our podcast at the moment, so I'm not going to complain about that. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, apart from that, all good. Looking to redecorate my living room um, which Ooh, kind of messed okay. up our interview yesterday with the uh, commentary fan wasn't it I was meant yeah. to join you on that at 4.30 to record but I, I totally forgot and went to B&Q instead to get some paint so apologies for that mate but yeah no, all no good problem. my end um, how are you? Good stuff yeah um, tired I, I start work at half eight um, usually up about eight but uh, the, the last thing I wanted to do was get up at quarter to seven to prepare for this after that shit show last night which we'll call it so I think there'll be a few expletives in this I'll put a warning out before the pods don't worry um and yeah um I did something yesterday though which um I won't put out on social media yet because I haven't had an email to confirm that the payment's gone through um so i've done something that will motivate me fitness wise so once i've got more information i'll share it with everyone on social media uh but other than that yeah all good tuesday um you know no football now till saturday thank god so the last thing i need is another bloody early game um although we are lunchtime kickoff on saturday so back on um, sky aren't we yeah i'm gonna miss that one i've got a house oh, yeah. viewing i've got a flat viewing in birmingham as well so I might oh, okay. just be tempted to drive past the ground and, uh, yeah, give my uh, give my regards, as they say. Just put on a high vis, and you might get in as a steward or something. I had an interview as a steward before at um, St Andrews years and years ago, but I never went. So, yeah, maybe I'll I'll, I'll go back for that job. Um, <laughs> but yeah, listen, we. I think this is the first time I've really not wanted to speak about a game because that one hurt last night. We have to obviously speak about the game against QPR. Um, we'll start, as always, with the team news. There were three changes to the lineup. So, Feminia, Messina, and Gray all come out with Navarro and Gakia and Sao Pedro coming in. Uh, now, I must mention that they, the Watford Twitter did mention that Feminia and Messina missed out with minor knocks. Um, yet, most of the replies to that tweet was where's Kiko and where's Messina um, if only they'd read the tweet itself uh, but I think the main bit of the, the main two bits of information here Ben to take from this starting lineup was Gray had come out and Pedro had come in so good news and um, Chalaba was starting after his yeah, link they, with Leicester yeah rumours floating around the last 48 hours maybe with uh, Chalaba possibly linking up with his ex 
um, Chelsea colleague um, Brendan Rodgers, wasn't he? Had him through his youth system. And then he lined him out to Watford, um, where he was successful as a teenager, wasn't he? But um, yeah, there was rumours that he was going to possibly go there. Oh, I just want to say, social media the last few days has been absolutely toxic, and it's so yeah. draining to go on and see all the negativity that we're seeing, and it's making me want to come off it for a few few weeks because I just can't be dealing with seeing things like this all the time. It's, I, I understand that people are struggling at the moment. It's totally understandable. We're going through a pandemic. It's not nice, but I feel like it's, it's 10 times worse when you go on and see everyone complaining about Watford and what's going on with Watford. And everyone has their rights to complain as well. I just wish mm-hmm. there was things happening higher up in the hierarchy, maybe to try and, make everyone stop complaining and actually deliver the promises that we was kind of promised at the start of the season. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, sorry, going back to the team news. <laughs> um, just going off on one, it's seven in the morning, I've lost the plot. <laughs> um, yeah, it was good to see Joe Pedro back in. Um, we don't want Andre Gray anywhere near the team sheet. Um, I, I was reminded this morning going on Twitter, seeing that he said at the start of the season that him and Troy Deeney guaranteed goals. Um, I don't yeah. know what planet he lives on. Um, but yeah, no Kiko. I think that was evident yesterday. I um, really missed him. Um I thought Nagakia did a good job replacing Messina as much as Messina's comfortable on the left-hand side and Nagakia was playing on his weaker fit, wasn't he? But um, he did a good, solid job yesterday. So, yeah, it was a shame not to see um, the two full-backs in because I did think QPR did exploit that. Yeah, massively. I I think it's evident, as you say, that Kiko and sort of um, Messina were missing um, mainly as well with Navarro because I think the link-up play that Kiko has and the understanding that he has with Saar they work brilliantly together on the same flank whereas Navarro listen he did an okay job but I just think that it was so evident and as you say QPR just battered us down those sides uh, and Gakia never looks comfortable for me on the left-hand side because mm. it's his weaker foot yes he did an okay job but he, he just doesn't he, he, he doesn't look as confident. Um, but at the same time, you can't really stick him out on the right. And this is why, going back to what you've said, we really needed left-back cover, a left-footed sort of centre-back or a left-sided uh, defender. Because if Messina was to get injured, which apparently he has got a minor knock, you know, wasn't Ken's a minor knock and he was out for, what, three or four games? Why haven't we gone out there and given someone giving the manager a left back it is ridiculous we've known this since the start of the season we knew we were short in that area even Vladimir Ivic highlighted it I think he made a point of it he wanted to make a point of it trying to be like come on back me here board we we need a left-sided centre-back or we we need a left-back because we're, we're short Messina was out for the start of the season missed a massive amount of games and then that was us playing Kiko at left back which he, he did a good job um, mm-hmm. but it's not his natural position and then we we flipped Kiko over to the right where we he's actually been fantastic over on the right but then we were playing Nagaki on the left and like you say he's not the same player over on the left hand side and I don't know why we haven't brought a left back into the club at all it's, I don't know if the, the board is just the board are being stubborn um, they're like, no, work, we brought work you in, work with yeah. the tools that you've been given. And it's like, well, come on. It's like you, you're cutting off the guy's arms before he can even like tie yeah. up his shoelaces. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, I think there were rumours of um, various left-backs. There was that Harry Pickering who, who ended up going to Blackburn on transfer deadline day. And then he was loaned back to Crew. Um, from where Blackburn bought him from. So, you know, plenty of options available, but unfortunately... They've all gone for for peanuts as well. All these highly rated um, players like in the Championship or lower league as well, like you say with Harry Pickering, he's gone to Blackburn for peanuts and really good left-sided left-back who gets forward and attacks and is a solid um, left-back. And then you look at, we had issues in centre midfield as well. And then you see that... um, was it Ben Pearson? He'd gone to Bournemouth for about 500,000 pounds. Crazy, like, isn't it? 
yeah, there's not much money floating around, like being spent at the moment in transfer fees, but it just seems like we've been so stubborn. It's like, no, we're not going to bring anyone in, even when they make money. I, I know we're going to talk about transfers at the end of a podcast, but we, we've just got rid of Gerard Delafayu to Indonesia permanently uh, for an undisclosed fee. God knows what the undisclosed fee is. It could be a tenner. It could be 10 million. It, it, who knows between Watford and Indonesia, but surely in all the transfer fees that we've done in the summer, like even like Luis Suarez, Espicien, um, Capu, it's like, where has the money gone? I understand yeah. we need to balance our books in that, but I'm sure there's one million or so to maybe bring in Harry Pickering and, and Ben Pearson. It's just, mm-hmm. I think the board being stubborn and it's really taking the piss. Yeah, yeah, it is. And, you know, the frustrations are there to be seen on social media. You know, you've highlighted it already, Ben, but it is such a toxic place. And, you know, for, for people that are struggling mentally, you know, you, you see an awful lot of people reach out on Twitter. Um, and, you know, everybody, as you said, is going to struggle. But I just feel at the moment, especially with Watford fans, you log on to Twitter and even if it's not to look at Watford stuff, you've got that many Watford sort of followers or you're following that many people, you, you can't help but be drawn into it. Um, I, I think you mentioned that you've obviously thought about taking a break from social media. Um, I've also thought about it, but obviously the problem that me and Ben have got is we want to take a break because of it being a Watford Twitter. If we were to take a break, we would still have to keep up the social media side for the Watford uh, for this podcast. Now, the problem we've got there is it would just be the Watford Twitter. Sometimes if you see Watford Twitter, you can mute certain things and, and stuff and you can look at other people's tweets that aren't Watford related. Whereas if we were to just focus on the podcast account, it would solely be Watford. So we're, <laughs> even we're worse. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's a bit of catch-22, really. But I, you can certainly see why people have their frustrations. There is also a reason that we didn't comment on any of the ongoings earlier in the week, you know, when people were frustrated about us not signing players and then other people saying, well, I've supported this club for this amount. My opinion outweighs yours. That's not the case. Everyone that supports Watford is entitled to their opinion. Yeah. We never ever wanted to get involved in any of that because it's just a mess at the moment you go in there and you you come out you know with your arms and legs hanging off it's just it's it's terrible Um, not one fan's bigger than the other look we all support the same club we just need to come together and just get behind them and support them through thick and thin yes yes we we was close to administration and the pozos that came in and saved us at that time but since the fa cup final i think the way they've run the football club has been piss poor yeah, yeah. And, you know, like you say, you're absolutely insulted to that opinion and other people might have different opinions. So, yeah, um, as Ben said, you know, we, we need to come together. And we thought that, you know, aside from all the transfer business yesterday, we thought, right, we've got a home game against QPR. We've got the best home record in the league. And QPR have picked up something like 13 points away from home. So we thought, right, let's at least get a win. Now, unfortunately, Ben, from the moment that Jared Gillett blew his whistle, um, we just set up and it just looked like we weren't in the game at all. QPR were pressing us. Do you know what their pressing game reminded me of? Barnsley away. That every chance they had, they were pressing us, they were pressing us, they were pressing us. And obviously, we didn't have the two fullbacks and... You know, um, Sierra Elta had an absolutely marvellous game. Again, I'm sure we'll touch on him. But their pressing style, we just looked, we didn't look at the races. Sonny just didn't look right from the get-go. And for the first 20 minutes or so of that first half, we could have easily been two, three down, I'd say. Yeah, for the first 20 minutes, all I've got written down from what Watford actually did was Navarro took a shot from distance that Jordini yeah. shouted at. Um, so then why was you shooting from there? It was a shaky start. Um, we couldn't really get out our own half. QPR, like you say, were pressing really high. I was actually really impressed with QPR yesterday. Credit where credit's due. They came to Vickers Road with a game plan. They stuck to the game plan and they executed it brilliantly. They pressed us high up the pitch. They caused us to make mistakes. I thought Batman was very shaky yesterday with his kicking as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah fair play to them got lots of crosses into the box Um, we dealt with it really well first half but yeah second half obviously a goal came from that which we'll touch upon later on in the podcast but it was yeah QPR and uh, it was Charlie Austin was he's a live wire still isn't he he's fantastic I think 
I was watching that yesterday and I was like, that is a mobile striker. That's yeah. someone who gets a belt, does a job, and he he can score from open play. And I'm like, like I've said about, about this before, my partner's uh, family are all QPR and I was messaging one of the boys last night and messages were going backwards and forwards. And I was telling him, I'm jealous that you've got someone like Charlie Austin who can actually run and he's a threat and he can score from open play. And, it's, and this is QPO going into the game. I think there was like 17th in the table against Watford, who were fourth. And he was saying to me, QPR looked like the team who were fourth in the table. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I must say as well, on that note, I did actually win a bet last night because Charlie Austin, it popped up on my phone, Skybet were doing boost odds for uh, Charlie Austin to score. And um, he scored, prior to this, he'd scored five in four appearances against us. That's now six in five. And um, I only put, like, I had a free £5 bet, so I stuck £5 on it and won seventeen fifty, And then used that on the... Um, Casino slots and won sixty quid, so that was a uh, that was a positive out of a negative <laughs> last night, wasn't it? <laughs> and uh, I was going to go straight to bed as well. So yeah, that was a happy days. But um, yeah, look, Charlie Austin, we know what he's capable of. But as you say, Ben, they were just battering us down the sides, putting the crosses in, and we just we we. we we just didn't look at the races and then we sort of got a foothold in the game. We I think cleverly had a chance. Personally, I would have shot. I think Cleverly's been a bit unselfish there, where he's tried to he's he's played a little one two, I think. And um I think he's been played into the area and then he's tried to cut it across for either Gray or uh, not Gray, sorry, either Pedro or Troy to have a stab at. And uh, it's not happened. And then I don't know whether it was from the resulting corner or whether it was a different corner. Um do you think Sierra Elta needs to be doing better with that header, Ben, or do you, do you think it was unlucky from him? Because a lot of people are saying he should have put it to the side. He put it straight down the keeper's throat, albeit the keeper did a brilliant save to tip it onto the bar. Yeah, it's one of those, isn't it? From a distance, you're like, I'll oh, put it to the side of him. But when you've yeah. got that split second, I, I think he, he's done as well as he could there. It was just unlucky. He got a lot of power on that, wasn't he? He just powered back off the crossbar. But yeah, unfortunate that one. Um, but yeah, another thing that I think we probably struggled with and a lot of people pointed out was we were playing three centre midfielders in a 4-4-2 yesterday. Um, yeah. It's not the first time it's happened. It happened at Stoke away. Um, first half, very lackluster, didn't create chances. Happened at Millwall last week, nil-nil draw. It says it all really. There's no creativity when we play 4-4-2 with three centre midfielders that all do exactly the same job. And I feel like it's really harsh on Will Hughes as well. Will Hughes is probably one of the best midfielders in the championship and he's being asked to play out of position on the left-hand side. And I think it's it's just a bit of a joke as well. And that's not helping us at all. When we had two possible wingers on the bench in Sema and Zinkenegle, and then you could see the impact that Saar had, uh, no, Sema had straight away when he entered the pitch. Mate, he was absolutely unreal when he came on. Don't forget as well, we had Hongbo on the bench. I know he's not necessarily a name that you'd pick out straight away, but, you know, possibly so. We had three wingers on the bench. So, um, Sonic did come out last night after the game where Cisco did say, off the back of your comment, by the way, Ben, uh, he didn't say this off the back of your comment, but just me going in. After does he know? Your... <laughs> yeah. Um, he's, he said, it's my mistake today. I didn't give the game the right importance. We started without intensity, without ambition, without passion. But tomorrow I will give a step forward for changes. So he obviously knows that the teams that we've been putting out, we've got four centre-mids in the club at the moment. Um, the fourth one being Dan Gosling. Three of them were on the pitch last night. If one of them was to get injured, we are bollocks. So well, Look, at Cleverly went down injured. Yeah. Uh, it looks like yeah, he was did, maybe struggling. And five minutes before that, we just took Choosy off as well. And it was just yeah. like, oh, for God's sake, like, this is what happens when you start free at the, at the beginning of a game and you don't have options on the bench. I know we had Ben Wilmot who could probably slot into midfield and do a job as well, but it's just frustrating. And that comment from Munes yesterday really annoyed me, saying that he, he didn't give the game as much importance that he, he he should do. He should give every single game importance. Yep. He, he should go out every single game, attack 
attack them, especially when we've got the likes of QPR. No disrespect to them, but like I said, they were towards the bottom half of the table when we was in the top half. Um, if we won last night, we would have been joint on points with um, Swansea in second place. And yeah. it, was, it, it was just poor. And, yeah. and for him to say he didn't give it enough importance, it's like, why what? have we employed someone who's who's managed eleven games in Georgian football. Georgia, Georgian yeah. football, and then he comes in and he's not taking the championship seriously? Yeah, he he it does raise eyebrows, and you know, obviously the the appointment itself would have raised eyebrows because, as you've said, it's come from Georgia. It's just it's it's, it's a bit weird, um, but. Yeah, we missed out on a massive opportunity yesterday. You, you mentioned we could have gone level on points with Brentford. We could have um, gone up to third. Uh, Swansea have actually got Norwich on Friday, I want to say. Friday the 5th, I think it is. Um, so that's going to be an interesting one. You really want a draw there. You don't want Norwich sort of gaining any more ground. And a lot of people will probably be listening, saying to their phones, why on earth has he said that? It's not like we're going to catch them. But listen, you know, it's not like we're a million miles away from the um, the automatic sparks. But yeah, we'll, we'll leave it at that. But yeah, so obviously, you know, we, we probably ended the first half, maybe the better side, probably wondering how we hadn't scored a goal, I would say is fair to say. Uh, and then the second half was... <sighs> As always, I remember saying to my brother when I was watching it last night, I says, when have you known Watford to give a complete 90-minute performance? I says, we've been absolutely dross this first half. I says, you know what that means. We're in for a good second half. Um, 52 minutes on the clock. I think it's Shah goes to run for the ball. And I think, is it Wallace that's given away the penalty? Or I'm not sure who's from there. Uh, Jeff side. Cameron. Jeff Cameron, he's dived in. Why he's gone in for the ball there against Shah, just leave it. Just let him run and, you know, just do not touch him from a QPR perspective. I'm glad he did. Uh, but, you know, we won another penalty. I must say now that is equals the um, same amount of penalties that we've, uh, the most that we've had in the last 10 years. If we score another one, it will break the record of the amount of penalties that we've scored in a season. So uh, we've got eight, uh, nine penalties so far in all competitions. That includes um, Penaranda's Carabao Cup penalty against Newport County, for those that do actually keep Italian, think, what's he on about? We've only got eight. Uh, so we've only got seven. Um, so, yeah, Troy Gel, Deeney. Joe Pedro scored one as well, hasn't he? Yeah, that yeah, might be included in one of the seven, actually. In one yeah. of the eight, sorry. Um, yeah, because Deeney's got... Um, seven goals altogether. Seven goals, six of them penalties. Joel Pedro scored a penalty. Remember, Joel Pedro took one when Deeney just got substituted onto the pitch. But Deeney said that... Ivic said that... Um, was that not Pedro was against Coventry? I thought it was Pedro. Was it Saar? Yeah, I'm pretty sure that was Saar. And then at the end of the game, uh, Ivic said that we decided that Saar was going to take penalties today, which is a really odd way of doing it, by the way. Um, But Ben, this penalty, we know Troy goes down the middle. (laughs) I I got a bit of a telling off yesterday. I was watching the game with my uh, 17-year-old brother and then my mum and her partner were in the sort of room sort of not watching but they're in the room and obviously Troy's gone and just smashed it and that keeper's just moved out the way and my knee-jerk reaction I shouted at the TV I says what a, what a pussy he is moving out of the way and I was like oh right <laughs> realise what I've just said and who was in my company uh, but what, what <laughs> I've listen we've seen more keepers now uh, and Troy's alluded to this, where managers will now shout for them to stay and just stand for the penalty. What the bloody hell was this QPR goalie doing yes, last night? He literally moved out the way as if he thought, well, no, I'm not getting in the way of that. that was, that's possibly the weirdest reaction I've seen to a Troy Deeney penalty. It was yeah, weird. I... I, I did laugh out loud when it happened. <laughs> I, I'm still laughing now. I've yeah. never seen someone so petrified to take a, uh, a Troy Deeney penalty in the dish, as he would say. Um, yeah. It was halfway off Occupation Road <laughs> when it happened. Uh, but yeah, I, I've never seen that approach before. And I don't know if he was hoping that he was going to sky it over a bar or something, because that was the only chance that that ball wasn't going to go in. Because uh, yeah. he, he, he legged it. Yeah, yeah. He did. Troy doing what Troy Deeney does best. Um, 
give him credit. He knows how to take a penalty. He's got an amazing stat. I can't remember what it is. It's something like he scored 37 out of 43, maybe. You've Don't got that. Me on that. You've, got, you've got that bang on you, have been, yeah. Oh, wow. I've not even got yeah. that written down. Good memory. Um, <laughs> Show off. Um, but, yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, fantastic penalty taker. Um, I just wish he would do more on a pitch for us at the moment and score from open play. That's my only issue with him. Well, this is it, Ben. I saw a stat on Twitter. Out of the last six games, we've scored one goal from open play. And you've got to think, um, we've scored against QPR, we've scored against Stoke, uh, Barnsley, Huddersfield, uh, and then the other one escapes me. Uh, I'm not sure who the other one was, but either way, that's irrelevant because six games to score one goal from open play, which will be the SAR goal, against Stoke, that's absolutely poor. And that probably yes. points to the owners that, uh, hi guys, we need a striker that can probably score from open play. And listen, you know, uh, Troy, Troy's sort of adopted a new role, although I don't think he really played that role last night. We didn't see, I think I saw him come deep maybe twice. He, he come deep before and he was pretty much in the left-back position. He won the ball and then he booted it upfield and found a brilliant pass. But we didn't really see as much, I don't think, yesterday. And I don't know if that's me being a bit harsh, but it, it's evident that something needed to change. And sort of up until yesterday at 11 o'clock was the perfect time to make that change, Ben, and bring somebody in, for God's sake. But one goal from open play in the last six is is poor, isn't it? It is poor, um, especially when when we appointed Moonness. I think on the club statement when he announced his appointment, ah. he was actually saying that he was an attacking manager as well. It said um, that about Ivich, didn't they? Yeah, and I've, I've, I must be honest, I don't see much difference between the attacking performances I think maybe we've edged well we have played more attacking football under Ivic I've got a few stats from this morning that I've seen uh, from Lou Orns on Twitter um, chances created per 90 minutes Ivic 7.1 it, Cisco 6 possession in 90 minutes Ivic 54% Isco 43% um, shots per 90 minutes Ivic 10.9% um, Isco 9.6. So all the stats there show me that we was more attacking under Vladimir Ivic. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't know that until you'd read it out. Uh, I, I thought it was evident that we were on the front foot more when he first came in. Uh, you know, that Norwich game, point back to that Norwich game. Uh, I thought we, if we'd have played Norwich under Ivic, I don't think we would have got the result that we did. But possibly the last few games, we are starting to see you know, was he just coming to paper over the cracks massively? Um, but obviously, we, we took the lead in true Watford fashion, a Troy Deeney penalty. He's now the top goal scorer at the club with seven. Um, so he's close to double figures again. Um, and then the inevitable happens. It, but granted, it wasn't bang on 60 minutes because I'm starting to notice that, and a lot of people are starting to notice, Cisco's got a theme where he will make substitutions at certain minutes. Um, it's usually around the 60-minute mark. Yesterday, it was the 67th minute. Ken Summer coming on for Will Hughes, absolutely fine. Left back, uh, left winger for left... Well, Will Hughes isn't a left winger, but you get what I mean. Um, and then Andre Gray for João Pedro. Now, I mentioned this on the last podcast. Why does he keep bringing Pedro off? Or why does he keep bringing Pedro on as a sub? Let him play 90 minutes, for God's sake, man. What has he needs to play Gray 90 done? minutes and back-to-back games yeah. just to get his confidence up. Do you know just... what? Yeah, sorry, carry on, Ben. I'll, I'll tell you a little uh, stat in a minute. Uh, it's just, he doesn't get a run of games. And no. like you said in the last podcast, Pedro's came out and said that he wants to hit 15 goals this season. How is he going to get 15 goals if he's taken off after 16 minutes? Or then he, we'll go to commentary at the weekend, the weekend and he'll play Troy and Gray up front again because he's rotating the strikers and it's not working. Yeah. He's, he's trying everything to try and get a striker to score goals, but consistency is where you're going to get goals. Yeah, massively. And, you know, when I mentioned that Jao uh, Pedro needs a run of games more and I don't know why he's rotated. I actually looked into it and I, I looked into the stats a little bit more and the most successive games, the most back-to-back games that Pedro has started in is two all season. I think towards the start of the season he, he played two back-to-back games and then was a sub 
or he'd come on as a sub or come off as a um, come, like, come off as a sub. Um, and then further down the season, he obviously had that big period where he was missing, uh, injured, COVID, married, whatever. Um, and then <laughs> the, no, <laughs> that sounds and, like a TV series, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. ITV, if you're listening, that you can commission that, but give me the commission. Um, but yeah, the the most games in a row that he's played is two all season at different parts of the season for a guy that wants to get 15 goals and for a guy that has shown so much promise this season to play two games back to back in a row it's I don't know what's going on there's got to be something bigger going on behind the scenes that is stopping him from playing week in week out 90 minutes you've got to feel sorry for him yeah you do and you know it's almost taking the piss a little bit because if I was Joe Pedro and I was hyped up to be this next wonder kids and you know I've you know felt like this is my real opportunity to go and make a name for myself if I was being brought off for a guy like Andre Gray that has scored one goal all season and that goal hit off his backside and he knew nothing about it I'd sort of be like well you've got to be having me on here like you're bringing me off for a guy who's not going to do anything um, you know he didn't do anything when he came on yesterday I think he made one decent pass and by the looks of it I don't even think he meant it I think it was the outside of the boot and Semma really had to stretch to keep the ball and nothing happened from it um, but Semma he come on and uh, this is why it annoys me that he leaves it so late sometimes to bring subs on Semma come on and change the game well not change the game because we bloody lost but Semma come on and straight away he shows why, when he's fit, he's starting week in, week out all the time. He was absolutely unbelievable. He was every opportunity, a bit like Will Hughes, in a sense, wanting to get us forward, was getting forward. He'd had two men on him, doesn't matter, out-muscles him, does what he does best, makes those runs into the box, tries and pulls it across for someone to have an easy tap in. But when he come on yesterday, Ben, Ken Samart was absolutely unbelievable. And we've missed him, I think, it's fair to say. Yeah, well, Todd Kane had nothing to do when Will Hughes was on the left side. And then as soon as Ken Semmer came on the pitch, he was just chasing Semmer because mm. he was giving him something to do. He, he had an impact straight away. And like I said, my missus' uh, family, the guy I was messaging, he was like, why was why was Semmer on the bench? He, he's like your best player. Um, he, he was causing havoc for QPR down that right-hand side. And he Semmer does what he does best. He gets past his man, gets to the byline. He picks out the ball into the 60-yard box. We, we just can't get on the end of it to turn it home. And it was frustrating because we was creating chances then, but it was the striking department, their movement off the ball to try and get ahead of the QPR defenders just to try and get a toe on it to stick it into the back of the net. And like you say, it's... We went on to lose the game, and, and like moments later, QPR went up the other end. And I must say, I thought Chair was that absolutely outstanding a game for QPR. If the first game we played them this season, Chair was great, and yesterday I thought he ran the show for them. Um, and we was linked with him a few weeks ago as well. And it is someone we we need to keep a close eye on because I do feel like we lack that creativity, and he could possibly help us out in that aspect. But yeah, it was a fantastic ball into a box by Willock and um, Ch- Charlie. Austin, he, he gets away from Econ. Um, yeah. I've seen people pointing fingers at Econ thinking he should have done better. I, I do think he should have done better. I think he was he was probably a bit too close to Charlie Austin and he was a bit grounded and didn't get a proper leap up there. But it was a fantastic head of the final back of the net, wasn't it? It was. You know, you mentioned about Semmer making an impact. Willock come on at the same time as those two. And um, six minutes later, he's going to set up the opening goal for QPR and as you say Charlie Austin doing what Charlie Austin does A scoring against Watford and B tucking those sort of goals in the back of the net you know like you said all night he was everywhere and he was a pain and he was everything you want your strikers to be and he's just peeled off of Ekong Ekong's tried to get there and he's planted a header in the back of the net and that was his 50th goal for QPR, I think. I, I think there was a brilliant stat. He, he scored 50 goals in 94 games, which is bloody decent return. Obviously, that's all together because he's had spells away from QPR. But for QPR, 94 goals, uh, 94 games, 50 goals, that's bloody good return. Uh, and it annoys me that we, we were never in for Charlie Austin. And I'm sure there were probably times that he probably would have took a move to Watford. Um, so, yeah, very frustrating. Um, and then, 
it was 1-1 and you're sort of thinking, it, this is a problem with Watford because we scored our goal on the 52nd minute. They scored on the 73rd minute. That 20 minutes before they scored that goal, I was thinking, this is why I hate Watford sometimes because I'm watching us. We're playing. We're 1-0 up. Please don't sit on it. Try and get another goal. QPR go and equalise. And then I'm thinking the worst automatically. I'm thinking, please don't go and lose this. I will take a draw now. Um, and then... 82 minutes, Albert Adoma comes on for um, Chair, who you um, you were lauding the plaudits about a minute ago. And then Kelman come on for Austin, which I thought was a really odd substitution. Um, I, I don't know why they brought Charlie Austin off. I, there might be more to it. There might be QPR fans that will be able to tell me exactly why, but I thought it was very odd, especially if they wanted to go on and push for a winner. Uh, but the aforementioned Albert Adoma, he's what, late 30s, um, and he's come on and he's he's done the job then. 90 minutes on the clock, I think it was. Um, before that goal, by the way, we did bring on um, Wilmot from Gakia, who was struggling with cramp, and uh, Wilmot played at left-back. And th- this was a weird one, Ben. Just before we talk about that goal, I just want to get your view on it. Chalaba come off and Zinkanago come on. It actually looks like Zinkanago was playing sort of in the middle last night. When he in midfield. <laughs> I was like, what? It, 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 Watford are pissing me off, mate. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I, there's just too many decisions that are going on higher up in a club and by the manager, team selection, tactics, substitutions. It's just all going wrong. We've signed Zinkenagel, who, yes, is, is coming in from a different league, um, the Norwegian league, where he had an outstanding season. The stats but he's got on assists and goals are ridiculous. And it's always going to be difficult for someone like him to come in and produce the same in the championship because the championship is one of the best leagues in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, but for him to be slowly shown the championship and get minutes here and there, not starting games, and then for him to even be played out of position, he was playing on the left a few weeks ago, yesterday he looks like he was playing defensive midfield. I just didn't get Munez's substitutions yesterday. I didn't get why he took Husey off the starters. I would have preferred taking off Chalaba. Would have put Husey in the middle with um, Cleverly then. Husey would have been in his best position. And then we could have brought on Zinconego and put him onto a wing. It's just, it's just frustrating, mate. It is. Uh, when when Zinconago come on last night, I was trying to piece together where he was being put. And then I saw him in the middle of the pitch and I thought, surely not. Uh, we can't utilise him there. I mean, we can't utilise him when we bring him on for seven minutes like he come on yesterday. Uh, why he's not started? Listen, it was only a couple of weeks ago I was saying that he's only not playing because he's just had a full season with Bodo Glimt. Um, he's... You know, got to get used to the fact that we play on grass pitches over here, not artificial pitches. And believe me, there is a big difference. Um, and I just think that the, you can't use them excuses anymore. He's been with the club for how many games? There's three, six games. Well, if you include the Swansea game, which I think was a day that he signed, possibly. Um, there's been. He's seven... been here a month. Yeah. So And there's been seven games. You would have thought at least one of those games, he would have played the whole game, especially with the amount of rotation that goes on with the Watford squad at the moment. You, and he might be sitting there thinking, well, what the bloody hell have I come into here? Um, you know, but to bring him on and then bring him on and put him defensive midfield, it's, again, it's just taking the piss out of us Watford fans a little bit, I think. And listen, I, I've throughout this podcast, I, I've not wanted to go on a rant about Watford and like, just completely criticise us because and there's enough people doing that at the moment. And like I said, everyone's entitled to their opinion. But even the most positive of Watford fans, like I like to think I am, it's just such a tough, tough time at the moment for the club. Um, and then we have to obviously talk about Albert Adoma. I think Todd Kane got the assist. And Todd Kane, as you mentioned, he was up and down that flank all night. Uh, I think he used to be on Chelsea's books. I'm pretty sure he did. Uh, his name definitely rings a bell. He yeah. puts a ball in for a domer. And I think Batman tries to come out to, to to sort of clear it up. But Albert Adoma puts it in the back of the net. And 
that was it for me. Um, I got up, went to the toilet, thought about not going back in to watch it, thought about turning it off. But it, like the more I am, I continued to watch the five minutes of injury time. My brother had seen enough. He was watching it down here. As soon as that goal went in, he went upstairs and went back on his Xbox, I think. So, yeah, um, just deflating. I think the way in which we lost it, I was a very, very angry man. I never liked Watford losing, as I'm sure every Watford fan is like that. But when we lose, it puts me in the most vile of moods possible. Um, as soon as that full-time whistle went, I went upstairs and then I went to bed. And I just thought, right, we'll evaluate this in the morning. Before that, obviously, I had to set my alarm at quarter to seven to be ready for this. And I thought, what am I doing? Like, getting up at quarter to seven to speak about the performance that we put in last night. But to sum it up overall, Ben, I think yesterday... Granted, we had a few spells, good spells here and there, but, you know, it wasn't good enough from the get-go. Sonic has to change for the Coventry game. Um, we know what St Andrew's pitch is like. It's a heavy pitch. It's a crap pitch. And we've struggled against Birmingham already this season, and I think the pitch played a large part of it. I'd be very surprised if Sinkenagel starts because of that. Um, but... We Sonny's got to change massively, Ben. What, in fact, Ben, for you, what has to change um, for ahead of the Coventry game? What what changes would you make? Well, the main thing is that Munes needs to give this game importance. Ah, I, yeah. I would say that straight away. Um, hope so, eh? Hopefully, one, if not two, of the fullbacks that we was missing yesterday are back because um, we clearly missed that yesterday. If not. Playing Nagaki on the right because he's much better on the right than Navarro. Who, Navarro wasn't great. Who would you I play on the left though, Ben? If if Messina's still out injured, I would rather play Ben Wilmot on the left because I feel like he's, oh, be- oh, he's a better that. footballer than Navarro. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, you would keep the t- the two guys in the middle of the centre backs. Foster's out still, so Batman starts. Um, the midfield. I don't want this crap where we're playing three centre midfielders. If you no. do play three centre midfielders, change the formation. Yeah. Um, but I think it's he's, I think he's going to stick to four four two. I'm hoping he probably goes for the likes of Cleverly and Hughes. That's where we're going to see the best of our midfield when we play Hughesy in the middle, yeah. breaking up play, dictating play, and then Cleverly in front of him, charging down the balls and doing his work rate. Um, you'd like to see Semmer back in on the left-hand side. Uh, he deserves a start after yesterday's performance because he was outstanding. He was probably Watford's man of a match behind Serialty yesterday and he only played 20 minutes. Yep. Um, Saar will be on the right-hand side and then it's a bloody lottery up top. Um, <laughs> it, I, I want Jao Pedro to play, but he's going he's gonna to start Andre Gray. You can just see it now. It's going to be Gray and Deeney up top. Yeah, I mean, Troy's record at St Andrews is brilliant. Granted, it's against Birmingham and not Coventry City, but you'd think that would play into the mind a little bit. But he he just... And listen, I get as a manager, your job is to motivate the players. And I think he come out yesterday, Moon off, and said that, you know, he believes that Gray will get goals. But you've just got to swallow your pride a bit there and just say... Gray, you're shit. You're not playing again this season. You know, I think I said to my brother last night when I saw the bench, I thought, wouldn't it be funny if we saw Dolby before Gray? And he said, I actually wouldn't mind that. Now, granted, obviously, Dolby's never played at first team level before, but, you know, <laughs> let's switch it up a little bit. Uh, do you know what? You know, we talked about him a few weeks ago. I, I'd be giving Hungbo a run in the team, man, because he just looks so energetic. Um, uh, granted, where would you put him? Because he's a winger, but. Yeah, I, I can just see Gray starting on Saturday lunchtime away at Coventry. And, you know, it's just going to create more uproar on Twitter, and rightly so, because Gray shouldn't be anywhere near that starting 11. Um, but, you know, hopefully he um, he sees past Gray and he plays Pedro for the full 90 minutes, Ben. But we'll talk about the Coventry game in a little bit, because as you said, I did speak to uh, Dom from the Knee Lampty podcast yesterday to talk about the game. Uh, so we'll be bringing you that interview in a little bit. Um, as I mentioned, yesterday was transfer deadline day. Um, we're going to touch on who come in and who went out. And we 
touch on nothing more than that because I think you could do a podcast on our transfer business solely uh, or the lack of. So in terms of incomings for the first team, we've obviously brought Rob Elliott, which we talked about earlier on. Um, Dan Gosling has also come in from Bournemouth on a two and a half year deal uh, for an undisclosed fee. He's made 168 appearances for the Cherries and he's scored 12 times and his former clubs include Plymouth, Blackpool, Newcastle and Everton. Um, I'm for one, I'm sort of half looking forward to seeing what Gosling can bring. I think we had a few Bournemouth fans tweet us saying he'll run through brick walls. And you look through the tweet where Bournemouth announced his departure and there were a lot of unhappy Bournemouth fans saying that why would you give a player of this type of work ethic to a promotion rival? So I'm, I don't know about you, Ben, but I'm quite looking forward to seeing uh, Dan Gosling. I know it got a lot of mixed reviews. Well, not mixed reviews. I'd say I, probably I'd say, 70, right. yeah. I'd probably say 80% of Watford fan, fan base were unhappy with a signing of Dan Goslin, and I don't understand it. I think because it wasn't a striker, probably because yeah. he's the wrong age, the wrong side of 30, people have written him off straight away. I think it's a shrewd bit of business by Watford. We've sent back James Garner. Um, it's, it's an upgrade on him. I think he's an upgrade on Chalabar. I think he can play better in the middle of the field and like you say Bournemouth fans are absolutely fuming that they let him go um, yeah. a passionate player gives everything for a cause like you say runs through brick walls he, he's not the most talented or gifted of players but he, he does a job and I feel like we could do that kind of player in the middle of a part last week we we talked at length about we've not really brought in that kind of midfielder with championship experience in since maybe Ben Watson. Mm-hmm. Yes, they're probably two different types of players, but there are similarities. And that signing kind of reminded me of when we brought in Ben Watson in that promotion chasing season. And I, I, I've never wanted the signing to work out as much as I have done yeah. with this Dan Gosling because for everyone being blatantly rude towards him. He's been saying, written off already, Ben, hasn't he? Written off and just calling him shit and that. And yeah. so just give him a chance. It's not kicked the ball for the club yet. Exactly. And he plays for your club. Support him. Would Don't you just um, write him off. Would you would you maybe include him in the squad for Saturday or do you think it's still too early for him, Ben? Um yeah, definitely include him in the squad. Um yeah. I, I, if Hughesy doesn't partner cleverly in the middle of the midfield, I'd want Gosling to partner him in the midfield. Um, yeah. But ideally, I'd want Hughesy. But if I think a change of formation and us playing free in midfield, I think is where we're going to see the best of Hughes, cleverly and Gosling. Yeah, yeah, I, I you know, and it was a shame that we maybe didn't move on Chalaba yesterday because with Chalaba still being at the club, it's like. Oh, we kind of got to give Chalaber a game, and that's going to not give the games to Tuesday in his right position or Dan Gosling, who's just came in. Yeah, and just quickly on the Chalaber front, I, I, I know I spoke to you about it off sort of bef- away from the recording side of things on WhatsApp, and I said that you watch when Chalaber goes, there'll be people saying, oh, I can't believe we let him go. Yet a lot of people have slagged him off this season. And I certainly would have black, wouldn't have blamed him if he did move on because he would have been probably not started in European, but he would have been given the chance to play at European level. So I really wouldn't have, you know, yes, it would have been disappointing to lose him, but I, I wouldn't have blamed him if he did move on. And I'm telling you now, everyone that slagged off Chalabar would have been like, I can't believe we saw Chalabar. It's just the way that the fan, the football fans work, mate. For every yeah. football, all football fans, most football fans are fickle. Uh, I, I certainly am. You know, I still hate Leicester um, for, for that game that we played against them where knockout dived. Probably the best thing he did for us because we went on to have that great goal. But, you know... I'm very fickle at times myself. Um, you mentioned there, James Garner has been, his loan has been terminated and he has now, ever, um, off the back of that, move to Nottingham Forest. Uh, another man that's joined the same sort of route as him. We've terminated Glenn Murray's loan and he's signed for Forest permanently until the end of the season. Um, I actually think that they'll do really, really well there. Uh, so I think we played Forest on the 5th of March, I think somebody said on Twitter. So you can expect two goals from them. Um, and then, Ben, we've done like more business for the under-23s than we have for the first team. We've signed Burkamp and Pochettino. No, not those. Uh, the sons of. So we've completed the signing of Mitchell Burkamp, the son of Dennis, 
the attacking midfielder is joined on a six-month contract with an option to a further deal. Now, I think I was pointed out yesterday that Burkamp's 22 and he's joined the under-23. So he's really got to impress to get a further deal. And maybe they've sort of got one eye on the first team with those signings as well. And then uh, Maurizio Pochettino, uh, there is a differentiation of spelling between him and his dad's name. Um, He'll link up with the under-23s and he's signed a four-year contract, but they're hopeful that he will have a path to the first team as well. And I think a few Spurs fans were putting a few question marks over that as well. So that's always good to see when when you sign a player from another club, their fans being all up in arms about it. Uh, I'm slightly disappointed we didn't sign Zidane's lad. (laughs) When I saw that we'd signed all these ex-sort of players or Managers' dads. I thought. I wonder what Alan Kerbishley's lads doing at the moment. Uh, well, don't we? Don't we have Dennis Wise's lads? Yeah, we've got Dennis Wise's. Well. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I think we 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 still have him. Yeah. Um, so Wise, Burkamp, and Pochettino. What midfield? Well, I say midfield. Midfield to a strike duo that is. Um, and then the two outgoings that we talked about. Ben mentioned it at the start of the show. Delafay, who's joined Udinese permanently. I think it was always in doubt that we'd ever see him again. But listen, possibly if we do go up, <laughs> I know it's pretty laughable to say that after what we've just talked about, but um, we might see Delafay on loan, all ifs and buts, really. Uh, and then Quinner loans to the Granada, uh, the Granada, loans to Granada on the loan for the rest of the season to get minutes now. Ben, there's been a lot made about that. Um, a lot of people saying, well, why not give him minutes for us? Just quickly, is that something you'd agree on or do you think it was the right decision to send him out to a European playing uh, Granada? I understand that they want to give him minutes. I would have loved him to get minutes at Watford. Uh, I would love him to play maybe under Munes because he hasn't played. He was injured. Um, so he hasn't had the opportunity to play under Munes to show him what he can do and what he can bring to the side. Um, but... The only question marks I've got is we've sent him to a La Liga side at a seventh in the table. Um, is he really going to get minutes there? As many minutes as we maybe want him to? Um, I, I, just, I just don't know about it. I'm, I'm a bit annoyed that he's gone out on loan and we've not even replaced him. That's another body we're a bit short of in midfield now. Yeah. Um, obviously, we've let go Capu. Quinn is gone. Um, gone is gone. And yeah. we've only really brought in Dan Goslin. So we've kind of two down in midfield. And if there's one injury or two injuries, we could do very light in midfield. Yeah, he's certainly one to keep an eye on. Um, you know, I tend to keep an eye on Udinese's results. I still have a habit of keeping an eye on Granada's results, who aren't owned by the Pochos anymore. And um, yeah, their progress has been relatively good since it happened, but I won't go into that. Um, but yeah, it's certainly going to be an interesting one to keep an eye on and hopefully he comes back and he's he's uh, he's chomping at the bit. Um, and then, as I said, Ben, just to finish off the show, we have got Coventry away um, on Saturday at lunchtime. I, unfortunately, as I said, won't be able to watch it because I'll be in Birmingham flat viewing, which is very exciting. Uh, a little bit annoying now. Um I did catch up with Dom from the Knee Lamptey podcast, everything to do with Coventry City yesterday, to talk about his thoughts towards the game at Saturday at lunchtime. And uh, this is what me and Dom spoke about. Yeah, I'm joined here by Dominic from the Knee Lamptey Show podcast, which is a Coventry City podcast. Uh, first of all, we'll, we'll get we'll get straight into it. Obviously, we know at the moment, Dominic, that you're playing at St Andrews, uh, ground sharing with Birmingham City. You have ground shared with, I think it was Northampton in the past. What is the current situation between you know your owners and the Rico Arena? Have you got any more update or? Well, it's sort of anybody's guess at the moment. It does kind of look like there's been a few reports coming out that um, Was, who the rugby club who are in the Rico Arena, mm. been uh, quite badly affected by the COVID situation. So they might end up letting us back in next season. Uh, that's a possibility. But with the way the saga's unfold, you can't really say anything categorically is going to happen. It's just every twist and turn has just conspired to make it an even more farcical situation. Uh, there, there is talk of the club building the stadium around the University of Warwick, 
Um, but that's that'll be a long way down the line. So it's absolutely essential that they come back to commentary. And you kind of kind of hoping that with everything that's happened over the past year or so uh, to sport financially, that uh, it's just going to sharpen minds. That um, it's the most logical thing for every party. It's, it's obviously going to benefit Wasps to have a championship football team in their stadium, bringing in what ten, fifteen thousand crowds every week, and it obviously benefits Coventry having uh, decent crowds showing up playing in our home city. So just hope, hopefully, uh, logic will prevail. Yeah, I can imagine it's a bit of a pain in the ass for you guys. As I said, you know, you've you've had to in the past travel to Northampton, which yeah, granted it's not that big of a journey. It's still it, it wouldn't feel right for me, like if, if I was supporting Watford and I had to go outside of Watford to watch my team play and obviously the, the pitch at St Andrews isn't the best, so and obviously the, the fixtures on it every week, you know, that doesn't help, doesn't give you any sort of rest or anything. So I can imagine there's a, a few factors that sort of play against you a little bit. Talking of players now, um, there will be many Watford fans that want to know what's happened to Brandon Mason. Now, Brandon Mason come through our academy, made his debut against Tottenham in the Premier League under Walter Mazzari, 2016-17 season. Uh, my understanding is he helped you get promoted last season, but now he's moved on to St Mirren. Is there any big reason behind his departure or just couldn't cut it at the level or...? It's a bit of a strange one because he came in two seasons ago and was sort of in and out of the team, um, mainly because of injury. And then the start of last season, he played the first 10 games or so and he was excellent. He was probably one of our best players. Uh, but he picked up a little bit of an injury and then Sam McCallum came in. And I just think Mark Robbins was just an absolutely massive fan of McCallum. He just really rated him, would just play him no matter what. And uh, a few months later, McCallum got a couple million pound move to Norwich. So kind of, kind of proved the logic yeah. behind that. But uh, in freezing out Mason from the side, he just got a little bit frustrated kicking around and wanted to move on. I mean, he's, he's a, yeah, he's a pretty decent player. Probably, probably would say league one standard, Yeah, uh, but good, good technically got, got a nice tackle in him as well. I really like him. Yeah, you mentioned there. Obviously, McCallum did end up getting his move to uh, to Norwich, and as we speak now, Dominique is transfer deadline day. Just talking of transfers from Coventry's perspective so far, if my research has proven correct, you've made three signings so far this month. So it's Matty James, Victor Goye uh, Goycares. Probably butchered that. Uh, so they've arrived on loan from Leicester City and Brighton, respectively. And Josh Reed's joining from Nuts County, and also possibly on the verge of Rochdale striker Fabio Tavares. Is, is there any one of those particular that you you're looking forward to seeing, or maybe one of the ones that I've signed that have made an impact? Yeah, so it looks like the latest two transfers, Josh Reed and Fabio Tavares, are sort of a couple of transfers for the under twenty three team, right. really, and yeah. it might they might be on the fringes of the first team if we pick up a few injuries. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so James and Jacaris, who have signed, uh, they've both started uh, the two ga- two league games we've had since they come in. James, yeah, just seems quite a tidy, experienced midfield player. We're missing Liam Kelly, who is sort of a big presence for us in defensive midfield, who just organised things and just... It's really good sort of winning free kicks and mussing the ball off opposite plays. He's not exactly the same kind of play. He's more technical than Kelly, uh, but he has fitted in quite nicely, albeit we're sort of missing that physical presence in the middle of the pitch. And then Jacaris, who came in, everyone was thinking he, he was a striker and he's played the last two games on the left wing and been a lot better. Uh, he's, he's quite tall. He can be a little bit awkward for defenders to deal with and he works really hard uh the only thing missing really is a bit of an end product to him he just seems to take a little bit too many touches around the penalty area but hopefully he can settle in a bit and uh, grab a few more goals for us yeah yeah like you said you know Matty James for, for a team that's just come up from league one um brilliant signing I think the, you know he brings a masses of experience as you say and uh, I'm sure he'll prove to be um, a, a good signing for you boys in the long run. Um, talking to players that are currently still at the club and that they have been prior to this season, Max Biamu, he um, 
he says at Coventry and our different proposition in the championship. Do you, do you feel as if you've improved as the season has gone on? Because from, you know, keeping eye on the table earlier on in the season, it perhaps wasn't going to plan. But do you feel that you've progressed a little bit now and feel a bit more comfortable and can stay up, I suppose, is the question. Yeah, I think we went into the season possibly with, with sort of grander ideas of what we were capable of. Mm. And then for the first 10 games or so, we were just shipping goals left, right and centre mm. and struggling a little bit to create. And then after the international break in November, we took a deliberate step to just be much tighter at the back, sacrificing a little bit of our attacking play, which admittedly wasn't great <laughs> before that. Um, and that just seems to have helped us pick up points. I think we're on quite a crazy run of goals from open play that we've conceded recently. I think it's, it's something crazy. Like we've only conceded five from open play wow. and quite a few over the last like 10, 15 games. Mm. And then yeah, there's been quite a few, I think about four or five penalties over that period as well, um, which is something we do like giving away with, conceded the most penalties in the championship wow. and it just seems to be our defenders just lose their heads in the penalty area just the amount of times we just push players over for no reason it's just yeah. agonizing yeah it seems like there's a load of penalties being given this season so far and i think we've had i think we've had eight altogether this season so far and that includes a carabao cup but not just us but it just seems like penalties are being given pretty much every week at the moment uh so yeah i can can certainly understand your frustration coming from there uh, and then just to finish up on we like to uh, throw our guests under the bus a little bit um what would your score prediction be for that lunchtime kickoff on the sixth um, I'm pretty pessimistic about that about this game because um, Watford have the kind of attacking players we struggled with. I can see this being quite a comfortable win for Watford, say two 0 Okay, that's interesting. A lot of fans will be genuinely sort of um, interested that you've said that because our away record hasn't been great, and we've played at St Andrews already this season and beaten Birmingham, and it was a really heavy pitch. So, you know, whether that's going to play in our minds again, I don't know. But um, yeah, I uh, I would take a two 0 right now. So let's hope it's a, it's a good night, good game for the neutral. But like I said, ladies and gents, Dominic is from the Knee Lampty podcast, the Coventry City podcast. They will be tagged in the tweet that announces his podcast so make sure you go and check them out as well but thank you very very much Dominic for, for coming on the show wish you the best of luck for the rest of the season uh, I do quite like Coventry their, their away support is is something else um, so I, I really hope you guys stay in the championship and, uh, and make a good go at it next season but thank you very much for your time this evening and um, yeah enjoy the rest of your day Dominic yeah, it was, it was a pleasure to be on and chat with you. Yeah, and uh, yeah, looking forward to the game. Yeah, me too, mate. Thank you very much. So, yeah, some very, very interesting views there from Dom. You know, he said that Coventry give away a lot of penalties. Uh, Watford obviously have had quite a few penalties. We've We've sort of... Um, beat the record of penalties that we had last season already. So that could be an interesting one to keep an eye on. Maybe another Deeney penalty masterclass incoming or who knows, Ben. But look, just quickly for me, um, what what would your score prediction be going into the game off the back of yesterday's um, performance or lack of performance, I should say? Yeah. Well, we, need to, we need to go there and attack. We need to show some urgency and intensity and we just need to play on the front foot but <laughs> not something you uh, were you, you usually sort of think of when you're thinking of Watford playing away then <laughs> yeah exactly that's what we need to do but saying that I can't see us doing it so I think it's probably got nil nil written all over it or it's going to be like a 1-1 draw I, I can't see us improving our way form um, I think confidence might be low after this 2-1 defeat and I think all the negativity on Twitter as well when, <laughs> as well, probably is not going to help either because if someone uploads something on social media, fans jump on it straight away and just yep. the negativity could go on to the players as well. So well, I think it's going to be a draw this weekend, mate. Okay, you're going nil-nil. I'm going to remain the ever-positive Watford fan that I am. Um, I'm going to say that this is he's going to really 
get into the players in training this week. I'm going to go 2-0 Watford. Troy Deeney's going to score a penalty and I think Saar's going to score as well. Uh, and then, obviously, that will be good for the away form as well. Uh, I just think that Coventry, they should be there for the taking. Um, and if they give away a lot of penalties, we've got the likes of Saar and hopefully Semmer running down those flanks. So, yeah, but, um, yeah, it's going to be an interesting one um, to, to keep an eye on. But that about concludes our show for this week, ladies and gents. We want to thank you yet again. Listen, the numbers for the Millwall pod last week were absolutely superb. So we want to thank you for listening to that, especially that we're doing midweek pods at the moment. Uh, but like I've said before on this podcast, Twitter's a very toxic place at the moment. If you are struggling, please do reach out to us on DMs on social media, whether it's Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, or whether it's our personal ones, you can find those in the handles as well. Um, and just try and remain positive, guys. You know, it's difficult time at the moment, but things will get better. Uh, but yeah, thank you very, very much for listening. We'll be back next week to talk about our next game against Bristol City. Thank you and take care. Sports Social Podcast Network.